How you doing? I'm your announcer Joey Clams, and you're listening to the Genghis and Ragman Show, where a couple of metalheads talk about hard rock and heavy metal while drinking and writing craft beers from around the country. And don't forget to stick around after tonight's festivities for a one-on-one interview with our featured guest. Hi, this is Ronnie Romero from Sunstorm, and I give you the right to rock. for two guys who are so metal they brush their teeth with steel wool it's Genghis and Ragman Sick of my fucking cats. Uh-uh. How long have you had them? That's a good question. I, I want to say between one of them's like, uh, shit, I think one's 12 and the other one's 10. Damn, son. Yeah, I hey. think the Munchkin said that uh, the Swedemeister's like 
She got him when... Oh, no, he's seven. So Bugsy's nine. Oh, okay. I thought I was going to say, it's like, so look at it this way. They're about to die, Holmes. You know what? <laughs> you like, not thanks. Enough. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you crazy bastard. No, you, you know, one of them's like the, the, the exes, so... She's uh-huh. like, I can't have cats right Oh, of course not. No, of course not. Yeah, yeah, so... You always knew course. you were going to get fucked with that. Come on. I know, she's like... The cat's like, hey, you're talking about me? I'm down here. Yeah, uh-huh. you're down here, you little bastard. He's like, who are you talking to like that? Yeah, no shit. Shit, so... Uh, how you doing over there, Paisan? Ah, uh, you know, can't complain. Are you vaccinated yet? Are you on the list... No. ...to be vaccinated? Uh-uh. I got I got the text that said, "Hey, come on down." But did you ever figure out if that was spam or not? Uh, I think that it's not. I have, I think I'm like ninety percent sure it's not. Hey guy. Yeah. What do you want? Uh, that that was not spam. Uh, you both were supposed to be on the uh, uh, first responder list. Well, we're not first responders. We're we're just like. Uh, Idiots to know about music. No, Matisse, he's got some import strings. So they just, uh, right then you should have your uh, text next week. So I don't have to sign up? No, sir. What, so you haven't gotten yours? Uh, yes, I got mine the uh, first week. I'm not I talking in. to you, dickhead. I'm talking to Ragman. <laughs> you really don't like him, do you? I'm a little sick of him. Think of him like my cat. <laughs> No, it's easy to have a rock on the first, uh, planet. We didn't fucking ask. Oh, yes, to answer your question, Genghis. No. No, I'm uh, surprised. No, my mom said that uh, I could sign up uh, people in the 50s, so fuckers like us. Uh, exactly. Can, can, can get on the list now, so. That I must guess... be why they contacted me, because uh, this is the age, I think they're going by age groups after the initial first responders and all that shit. Well, it's that, and it's the fact that uh, you're on Methodist. I'm not part of Methodist, so mm-hmm. I think that since I'm not in that network, I'm probably why I don't have anything yet. So I think I'm gonna have to call a number. And uh, I'm in a running club. I think I told you that with a brewery, and like two or three people today said, "Hey, we're going Monday." I'm like, "You're gonna run there?" <laughs> Oh, dude, I did a fucking... Dude, I ran for uh, Equal Parts yesterday. And, dude, the run takes you from the brewery to around Minute Maid Park in the downtown. It was pretty fucking cool. Just kind of running around there. Like a total zip shit. I'm jealous of your uh, athleticism because I got none. (laughs) Fuck that shit. I just... I've become... I've really become a Cecil motherfucker since all this started out gained a few pounds i'm not happy about it but what are you gonna do but that's part of why i don't drink so much anymore yeah you know, i gotta balance it out somehow you're yeah. at least you're drinking as much as you ever were but at least you're working out you actually been losing weight you look pretty good so i think it's Thank working you. for you but for me since i ain't doing that it ain't gonna make it any better to fucking drink <laughs> well my goal is to do like three five k's a week at three different breweries so all my my running is geared towards beer towards getting beer of course it is yeah so well, but like I said, fun. at least you balance it out. Yeah, yeah. And if you're having fun on top of it, that's even better. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. for sure, for sure. So uh, good on you. I tell you what, why don't we kick in a little tonage and then we'll uh, start the show in a grand style here, like we kind kind of can do. 
Um, you got anything up your sleeve all day? Uh, you think I don't? Of course I do. Let's see. You've been prepared lately. I'm proud of you. I'm wondering if I should... No, I'll save this one for later because I think you'll like it. Uh, I found this new guy, uh, some Shredder dude that I had never even heard of. Uh, for all I know, he's in a band that I already know. I just didn't realize he's in this one. But this guy is a guy named Cameron Brown. And I happened to see his video uh, of a playthrough of a song called Aurora. This motherfucker shreds all over the place. Oh, really? Is it instrumental or...? Yeah, I think so. All right, let's check it out. About the shred, you're a shred meister, Holmes. It's night of the living shred, Holmes. Exactly, exactly. You know, it's kind of interesting. I wonder, you know, remember we were supposed to go see that one G3 a couple years ago, uh, yeah, we got even before COVID and stuff, and it got yeah. rained out. Yeah, that was bullshit. <laughs> it's fucked up. It was, so, man. It's like, come on, dude, let's get it together. I, I saw somebody was talking about some of the early ones. I think it was Steve Lukather. Um, He's got a new record out. I actually want to check that out. Do you ever check him out outside of Toto? I don't, actually. And I know that everyone says he's just one of the most amazing guitarists. Guitar he's a guitarist guitarist. All other guitarists that are badass go, fucking Luthiker, dude. And I'm like, okay, but where do I find his... I mean, it shouldn't be hard to find it, I guess, but I've just never come across his stuff. Well, he's got... I, he has that one record. I think I got it back in the day called Luke. And, dude, it's freaking phenomenal system. So he's a badass shredding motherfucker. Well, yeah, and just really good melodic music, too. Oh, okay. He sings and just really cool stuff, but, dude, his, it's really his tone. He has really, really good tone. He plays oh, with a lot of feeling. So I yeah. think that's why a lot of guys like Luca, they're like, uh, Simone was saying, I, I told him, I said, you sound like Neil Sean on this song. He goes, I know, dude, I was channeling Luca. I was like, fuck. That's I what know. I'm saying, dude. You find some of the most amazing guitars, and they all fucking mention him, Luthiker and all these other kind of dudes. You're just like, yeah. I need to listen to this motherfucker. They talk about him so much. But I um, I think of him as, from the way you're talking, where he just, he's there's something about his sound. He's not necessarily a shred master, but right. he's really tasty, really great sound. See, that makes me think, my my guy, when I think of that, is uh, Larry Carlton from back in the day. he uh, He's the one he played on a bunch of uh, the Steely Dan records. So all oh, the okay. best, all those best solos that you remember, like from Kid Charlemagne and uh, 
think Peggy's on that one. All those dudes. That's fucking Larry Carlton. He's the man. And when you listen to old stuff like uh, like the Hill Street Blues uh, soundtrack, you know, the little theme uh-huh. songs from back in the yeah. 80s, all that great little guitar stuff, yeah. rocking it. That's basically Larry Carlton. Oh, so, wow. yeah, so th- he's that dude. And when you listen to him, I've got his one. I just got his one solo album. Uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it's got that song, I think, Room 335. I think it's the name of it fucking killer fucking stuff on there it's a lot of great uh, guitar work and it's just it's all instrumental it's that kind of jazz rock kind of stuff but I mean it's just mm-hmm. the tone is fucking beautiful dude and oh, it's phrasing yeah. it's just great you don't need to be a shred master in order to to, to sound great that's the thing about these guys but he, he so he's one of those guys so I think it sounds like Luther is another one of those guys so yeah, I really should yeah, check pretty, him out because I dig that shit and then getting kind of typecast in uh, Toda I mean early Toda was pretty heavy but as they got, pro, you know, progressed on, they got in that 80s uh, pop synth, or not really synth, but pop, yeah. pop, pop sound. Right. Oh my God, Africa is just a fucking shit of a show. Dude, I thought it sucked dick. I, I don't, I never <laughs> liked Africa, did you? The song Africa? Yeah. Yeah, I fucking love that song. How do you not love that song? That's not how it goes. I actually saw there's some dude I can't remember I have to look it up I can maybe uh, mention it on the next show but or maybe a little while we're talking is uh, he did there's this guy who's I guess he's in Pittsburgh or something he's just one of those dudes that like plays local uh-huh. places in fact all these videos that I've seen of him he's like at a pizza parlor and uh, <laughs> and he's there with like an acoustic guitar and like a drum machine and his, and his buddy you know and they play stuff and he uh, he does an acoustic version of Africa and it's fucking great dude I was just huh. like that's he made it sound fucking awesome, and it's just because oh, nice. he does that. It's his his guy is he's got a buddy with him just on the bass, so it's just yeah. him and the acoustic guitar on the bass. His vocals are great. His buddy comes in with just the perfect uh, vocal harmonies. They really make it sound good. And he does a lot of other songs. A lot of, it's just all covers, but he makes it sound really good. I was just like, who is this fucking guy? It's Why his name, John Cop Toaster. He's Comanche. But but. Guys like that, I mean, it's just, you know, it's been, what is the word? Uh, people have, they've actually seen articles on, on, you've probably seen them on the internet, talking about, we had a computer, you know, we fed it all of these songs from, like, of all time, the great rock songs, and it sort of found the formula for what makes a perfect song. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they we choose Africa, time. like, every time. Really? Wow, okay. Yeah. It's considered, like, the perfect fucking pop song or whatever kind of song you want to call it. But I never was a big fan of it. I like Hold the Line or something like that. Oh, they've got or some Jane great songs. or something like that. Here is his name. His name's Mike Massey, and he's with his friend Jeff Hall. Mike Massey, uh, M-A-S-S-E. So if you ever want to check him, they're at the Pie Pizzeria in South Jordan, Utah. And like I said, they do a lot of cool covers, but their best one is probably Africa. Sweet. But well, you anyway. know what? I'm Thirsty Holmes. I'm hit. Mr. G.
See, when you do that with a cork, it's <laughs> it kind of makes sense. With a fucking can, sounds stupid. <laughs> sounds stupid. You fucking mama Lucia. Exactly. So. Wow, this is a different color than I thought it was gonna be. It's almost an amber. Yeah, considering what it's supposed to be, this is uh, one, uh probably one of your favorite breweries lately, isn't it? Oh fuck yeah, four noses. Because you featured stuff from them before, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, we have. That's a that is a beautiful looking beer, man. Yeah, it almost looks like an amber, doesn't it? Or even just like a what do you call it? Like it's it's like a, man, almost like a pilsner, but like a darker pilsner, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it almost looks like iced tea in a glass no shit. Uh, with some foam over there. Or some foamy tea, yeah. You could have that. There you go. It's pretty, that's for sure. This He's is from, pretty, uh, boss. from Four Noses Brewing Company, and this is the coconut velvet you got over there. Yeah. So uh, this one, according to the, uh, the, let's go to the videotape. They've got the 7% ABV, no IBU. I guess they don't know the rating for it. But the description says, we are going a little coconuts over here. Introducing coconut velvet. This velvet is brewed with raw coconut, toasted coconut, vanilla, and lactose. The beer is full-bodied with balanced hops and coconut flavors. We use Sabro hops for their coconut and tropical fruit notes. So you're going to jerk off all over yourself for this thing. Yeah, pretty much, Holmes. Love the four noses. And uh, I don't know if I've ever had the coconut velvet, so... This one's going to be uh, something I've been wanting to try for a long time. Actually, I have a friend that lives up in Colorado, and I saw that these were uh, being released by Four Noses. So I called him. I said, dude, i got to have this beer. And if, if I buy you a four-pack, will you go pick it up for me? He said, sure. So when I went to Colorado, I brought it back with me. So I've been dying to try this one. So... Been doing some stouts and porters lately. Thought it was time to go back to the milkshake IPA. Yeah. You don't want to betray uh, uh, the important stuff. So, uh, beautiful beer. It's uh, for a, a milkshake IPA. So, like I said, it's got a different texture or color to it. It's, yeah, you figure, uh, you think of those as being hazy. Yeah, it's yeah. harder for me to imagine a milkshake IPA that isn't hazy. This one's I mean, crazy. it is still kind of hazy, but it's not that grapefruit juice looking stuff yeah it doesn't look like you're drinking grapefruit juice or pineapple juice or orange juice or something like that so right. appearance uh, lots of good lacing on there looks very appetizing again it throws me off a little bit on the appearance because i'm thinking we're going to see that like you said more about orange yeah. uh juice type texture to it but no i i think appearance i would give it a four in appearance uh give the aroma here there's not much to it really Unless so that's the COVID off. talking right there. Yeah. Yeah, I think I have the COVID again. <laughs> no, they cast shit earlier. I know I don't have COVID. I smelt that. I, I know. I wish I did. So uh, a little clinkage here. All right. Dude, I think I just came off my pants. Holy I knew you were going to do that. Shit, that's good. Oh, dude, yeah. you get the vanilla notes, mm -hmm. coconut. Oh, dude, this is fucking good, bro. I'm not into coconut beer so much. Hmm. Just seems like it doesn't belong in a beer. Belongs here, Holmes. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Fuck yeah, it does. Uh, Jonathan, hit the horn, sir. It's been a while. Big boy, big buddy. I hate when he pulls out that smoke from the bandit bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I hear you. 
So uh, anyway, we were talking about Steve Lukather. Why don't we play some new Steve Lukather? Uh, this one's called I Found the Sun Again off his brand new record, which I don't know the name of. <laughs> but he's got a brand new record out. Uh, uh, it's a pretty cool track. Let's check it out. topic or a story or something like that what do you yeah, think we can do that i'm a little curious about uh if i seem a little distracted here i'm looking up this uh thing you know netflix has got this uh new flick called metal lords coming out really you what's heard about that, that? Huh. it's apparently here i'll just read off the article this is from cinema blend they uh it says it's been nearly two years since db weiss and David Ben Benioff, or whatever, became persona non grata in the eyes of millions of diehard Games of Thrones fans. But the primetime Emmy award-winning writer and television producer will soon enter a new era with a smaller yet extremely vocal fandom. At some point in the near future, we'll be able to see Weiss's Netflix original film titled Metal Lords, which follows a group of high school students with one love and one love only, heavy metal. That sounds kind of cool just from the yeah, script. So, I mean, is it, they say that's a movie or a series? Hold on, let's see. Original film. Okay, so it's just a straight movie. 
So okay. I wonder if it's supposed to be because because interestingly, think about this. It seems like there's been a few heavy metal movies, right? Movies about yeah. people enjoy them, but it's almost always a horror movie. Have yeah. you ever seen a non-horror movie that involved heavy metal as the sort of the subject matter? Um, seems like you don't. Or crime have, in general, like they're not they're like they're fucking robbing a bank, but they're also heavy metal fans have you or ever, something. Have you ever seen that movie Hesher that came out a few yeah, years ago? Yeah, with uh, what's his face, uh, the the smarmy looking kid from Third Rock from the Sun. Uh, right. Yeah, I forget the guy's name, but uh, yeah, I mean, I can't remember the premise. I just remember like in the movie. I and he's, yeah, and Anna Hesher well is a heavy metal head, right? Basically, yeah, yeah. or something like that. So yeah, I guess it's about. Some and there was a chick in it, like Winona Ryder or somebody like that. Uh, big actress chick was in it too. Yeah, let me see. Because yeah. it's like uh, an independent movie or something. Yeah, then, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. That's his name. And yeah, the uh, oh, and his father is Rain Wilson, Dwight Schrute Holmes. But, <laughs> oh, Nat- Natalie Portman's in it. That's right. Yeah, that's Natalie Portman. I knew it was somebody but he, like. He looks Winona. like he's like. He looks like Ghetto Jesus, man. With his long hair and his tattoos and shit, or whatever that is. That was a really good movie, though. I dug that. Oh, one. so you've seen it? Okay, I didn't yeah. know you'd seen it. Okay. And I know I want to say Netflix is doing this, but I'm not 100. percent But I think there's a series coming out based off the American Satan movie that had the guy has a singer from um, Black Veil Brides in it. Ah, okay. And it's like a continuation or a subplot or something like that. Of that, we read a story a while back. I don't know. If that got stuck just because of uh, the COVID stuff and they didn't film it, maybe they're going to pick back up on it or maybe right. they shelved the project or what. I don't know. Well, you know, what's his name? Uh, you ever see that uh, on Netflix, the uh, Umbrella Academy? Mm-mm. It's kind of fun. It's your basic, uh, it's based off a comic book and it's, uh, and it's, uh, what do you call it? Uh, it's it's like a superhero comic book, almost like, a, almost like the X-Men or something, basically. But it's by, it was written, uh, or the artist was Gabriel Bob at the, uh, I'm, I'm remembering it because, I can't hear it, Gerard Way was the writer. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, Gerard, Ray, uh, Gerard Way is a co-founder of My Chemical Romance. Oh, wow, okay. So that's a, a situation where a comic person, or a heavy metal guy, or whatever My Chemical Romance made, what is it, most like alt-rock or something, I don't know. Kind of power punk. Power stuff, punk. I so think. it's... So where that crosses over into comic books, you know, sometimes musicians get into comics and vice versa. Like Brian Posehn's a comedian who is also huge in heavy metal, but I think he also got involved in writing comic books as well as, uh, I mean, he's done a couple of uh, videos and stuff uh, because I think he had, I think he had like an album come out that's got like metal shit. Yeah, yeah, he did. Kind of like Brewer did. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say like Jim Brewer is another example of one of those people. So, you know, that uh, what I'm saying is basically that metal kind of it comes into our lives in different ways, like in other media, but it's usually in a certain context. So I'm wondering, I guess, I mean, really, what else would it come into, right? I mean, you're not going to have like a science fiction movie about heavy metal, I guess, or, a, yeah, yeah. or, a, or like a, you know, a courtroom drama about heavy metal. So I guess I'm silly to expect anything else. But anyway, this movie here... Uh, it's uh, not to be confused with Jonas Ackerlund's 2019 thriller about the Norwegian black metal scene, Lords of Chaos, or the actual Lord of Metal, the late Christopher Lee. Metal Lord sounds like it'll be a little less dark than most movies that focus on the metal subculture. But with a group of producers that includes one of the most influential guitarists of the past 30 years and a young cast led by one of Hollywood's brightest up-and-comers, Metal Lords could very well earn a spot on the list of best metal movies. Interesting. Hmm. 
Here's what we know so far. Okay, so here it is. It's a coming-of-age story centering on two kids who start a heavy metal band. So if they do this with any sort of, what do you call it, you know, serious, like they take it seriously and don't, yeah. you know, don't make another fucking parody, don't make another spinal tap. Yeah. It's like, make it about these two kids start a metal band. That actually could be kind of interesting. Yeah. So, because, you know, you can imagine what that's like. What will be interesting to see is them doing that. Are they setting it in 2020, I wonder? If it is, that would be interesting because I think starting a metal band now is a different experience than starting a metal band back in the heyday, right? Like oh, yeah, 80s. for sure. Because mm-hmm. I mean, we were in metal in the 80s and we were in high school and that would have been the time to start a band. And so we were, say, 18. And the yeah. guys in Metallica, when they debuted, what were they in early 20s, maybe 20? I think Lars was still pretty young. but I Yeah, so remember. my point being that we were almost that age. So in other words, yeah, we yeah. weren't that far off from being the age of actually starting a band. So it's not out of the realm of possibility that teenagers starting a band could be a fucking metal band. So yeah. in the 80s, that was something. I mean, back then, if you had a good sound, you probably could to get heard. Now, nowadays, you can make it, you can get hurt easier because you can just put your shit on YouTube and someone will right, hear it. Right, right. Shit could go viral overnight and who knows. But also at the same time, though, you can't do like they did in the day where those people that do that aren't necessarily going to be having concerts and shit. They're just right. going to be on YouTube and that's it. They're never going to get any bigger than that. They're not going to get a record contract because I think record contracts are kind of a thing of the past, at least the way they used to be, you know, back in the 80s. So I think it's a different experience. So that'll be interesting to see. I'm trying to look and see if if there's any screenshots or anything about it it doesn't say like when it's set from what I'm saying which is strange because it seems like I'm betting it's going to be set back in the day because if it's not like I said I don't know what it's going to be like I mean I I can't imagine what it's like starting a metal band right now true true like you said though you have the you have the benefit of YouTube and stuff like that where you get yourself heard a lot easier then and maybe that'll make it maybe that is what it is and that would actually be kind of interesting to see what are sure. these guys doing because if you're smart as a writer of this show you go out and you and you uh you know do your research go out and meet some of these people and see what they're doing sure so that could I don't be know. Cool. yeah so i'll be interested to check that one out i had a question for you just kind of a subtopic based on kind of what you had mentioned there yeah. and it's you know comedians established comedians doing metal records mm-hmm do you care? And is there any real merit to it? And take a guy like uh, Don Jameson, where his whole act is based off heavy metal, and I don't think he's that funny. Nice guy. I interviewed him one time, but try to listen to his record. I can't really do it. You're just not into it. That's fine. Yeah. I'm sure there, he's got some audience, or he wouldn't. Yeah, be. he does, or he wouldn't be yeah. signed to Metal Blade. I exactly. think Florentine got a deal, too. But Yeah. I mean, Take it to a new level where you said like Brian Posehn's going to get together with the guys from Anthrax or something like that, or right. you know Brewer's going to get together with who he got with, yeah. and do a record. Do you care? Well, it depends. I mean, it's sort of like saying, I mean, forget that they're comedians. If some unknown person decided to start a metal band and they got a record deal, do I care? It's like, well, let me hear the music. If the music's good, then sure, I'll listen to it. So the fact that they happen to be already famous as comedians shouldn't make a difference. Either they can, yeah. either they can put together a good band and make good music, or they can't. But you it, know, it doesn't give you any advantage just because you're a comedian. 
it's kind of that crossover between an actor or actress and going into music. You know, right. Springfield's the first one that, you know, that I remember. Right, yeah, yeah, Because he was on like a soap opera or something at the time. Or even, also... even like Elvis. Elvis kind of did the cross genre of the movies. and the, But he was a musician right. first and got into movies. Right. And so he goes back and forth. Some of them go music first, then acting, and acting first, then music. So you got Keanu Reeves and you got Jared Leto and... And Russell Crowe. I mean, you get all these guys that who are known as primarily as actors, but also have these bands on the side. And it's easy to say, well, they wouldn't have those bands and they wouldn't be getting on bills at different concerts and stuff if they weren't who they were, right? Right. And I'm sure that played a part. So if Keanu Reeves decided to show up in your town at a club with his band, what was it called, Dog Star or something like that? And, mm-hmm. and, and was showing, you'd be like, well, yeah, I'll go see it just to see fucking Keanu Reeves, one of the biggest movie stars in the world right now. But but as far as the music goes, I mean, if you just heard it on the radio, would you give a shit? Like, I don't think I've ever heard Dog Star ever, much less yeah. on the radio or in a video anywhere. Same with 30 Seconds to Mars. I know I've seen them, but I'm like, I turn the channel and don't care. And uh, Or even what's the 30 Odd Foot of Grunts is Russell Crowe's band never even heard any of their music I'm sure it's all fairly mediocre but it's like he's probably like the rest of us let's say that you know we had careers we had jobs but on the side you know we had a a band and we were dicking around uh, on weekends and playing and we played a couple of local clubs and stuff and it was fun but uh, we had actual jobs first and that was sort of a side gig same with Russell Crowe I think he was an actor. He probably he may have had the band even as he was a, uh, starting out as an actor. But still, the point is, he had a primary job, and that was sort of a side hustle that he did just for fun, probably. Yeah, that's fine. Kevin Costner had one too. Yeah, like and, like, and, and then there are other guys who are legitimately, I think, decent musicians, like uh, Jeff Bridges. I think is also got mm-hmm. a thing going. And Chris Christopherson, he was one of those guys that I think started off as a musician right. and got into acting. So all of that's fine. You're either good at at it or you're not. I don't think that him being, I don't think that because Brian Posehn's a comedian, people are going to go, oh, this is really good metal, dude, and just pretend that it's good when it sucks. No one's going to, they're going to say, this is shit, I don't know why you did it. And it makes you wonder why he would try it, unless he really knew, he, knowing that he's a metal fan himself, and he wouldn't accept shitty metal just because it's metal, I don't think that he'd want to put out a product that was also shitty, so I don't know what that's about. Either he's crazy... Or and someone talked him into it, or they're using him to get their shitty little band bigger by having him in it or something, or like, he just really wanted to do it really bad. And it's just he doesn't care if it's successful or not. It's just right. fun for him because it's a lifelong dream. I don't know. Who knows what they're up to? Well, I but, would say Brewers actually got a pretty decent voice, and his album was okay. I mean, what he said I was gonna like keep listening to today, but it was okay put it this, for what it was. We'll put it this way: if Brewer, so whatever, let's say it's the Jim Brewer band or whatever, or they're called, I don't know. Cassiopeia. And so Jim Brewer leaves the next day. Do they just get a new singer and they keep touring as Cassiopeia? And does anybody give a shit? Or is, like I said, the only reason anyone even pays attention to this band is because it happens to have a famous comedian they like in front of them. Yeah. Well, you know what I mean? Just step that back just a hair if you look at, and you brought him up a little bit ago, and I'm not a fan, but they had some success was that 30 Seconds to Mars. <clears throat> I think they're out of all the ones we've mentioned, they're the ones who did the best. Yeah, I think that they could probably move on with another vocalist. If Jared, I don't think it was just all Jared Leto. Yeah, and and I don't know. Was he really that big an actor? I know he was in Suicide Squad. I think he won an Oscar, didn't he? So I think he's an Oscar or an Academy Award winner. Yeah, for uh, for Mud, where he played that like junkie or something like that. I could be wrong, oh, okay. but 
He's considered. I think he's. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's considered a, a, a decent actor. I've seen him in stuff where I'm like, wow, that's impressive acting. And I've seen him in stuff where I'm like that was shit, dude. Like, uh, like what was it? Like his his turn as the Joker in, in yeah, one of those Casey movies. Fun. That was terrible. I mean, I know that he was doing a thing and he was uh, running with it, but that wouldn't impress me as oh, who's this actor? I got to check him out in other stuff. That wasn't. Yeah, yeah. You don't put that on the highlight reel. Well, I want to. I'll, I'll play a song here, and I'll, I'll bring up another person. Uh, and it's not somebody from our country. It's somebody. I think they're from Sweden. Uh, but uh, Netta Loren is in a band called Smackbound, and okay. she's like a big actress over. I want to say in Sweden. I'm not 100. percent I don't remember, but uh, yeah, she's like this big actress, and she's fronting a metal band. So uh, metal. Good hard rock, let's just say that. Uh, but SmackDown, I really dig those guys. Very good, very kind of heavy. She's got a great voice, uh-huh. and she does the metal thing on the side. And uh, I think it does. Uh, I think they do. As far as music goes, I think they're doing pretty well. But as an actress, I think that's her main gig. Well, that's uh, the thing. That's the thing. I think generally speaking, obviously, it's possible for people to be good at more than one thing. The idea that someone might be an actor or an actress and can't also be a singer or even a guitar player, that's ridiculous. Of course, if they've got the talent, they've got the talent, go for it. But the worry, I guess, or where people start to sort of sneer when you mention it, like, oh, I'm also in a band, you know, from an actor, and they hear that, it's like, yeah, yeah. The only reason you're in a band, bro, is because you're an actor and everybody likes you and you're famous. So if they've got the talent as well, then go for it. I don't care. I mean, so as far as, again, getting back to it, Brian Posehn, if his band is good, if the music is good, I don't give a shit that he's in the band. I don't think he's much of a singer. I wouldn't imagine he's an amazing singer. Maybe he plays guitar or bass or something, in which case, it's like, okay, whatever. I don't, in other words, I don't think that he's the thing that would make that band awesome. Right, right. He just happens to be in an awesome band. So, um, in which case, good for you. Same with Jim, Jim Brewer. I, I don't care about any of that that shit so at the same time i'm not saying that i don't want to hear it because they're comedians right. if it if i happen to hear it and go hey who's that band playing they sound great go, that's that it's like did you know that brian Posehn's in that band I'd be like, oh cool i didn't know that like whatever yeah. so we'll see i guess it's either great or it's he's, he's playing leads again flute holmes <laughs> if that's a deal hey it says it right here yeah Lado run an academy award for dallas buyers club oh okay so he's an academy award winner dude i can't believe you're talking shit about an Academy Award winner, Holmes. Now I got fucking movie too. I'm going to tell you that. That man do a guy hey, son of a bitch. He got so thin for that role. I think he had AIDS or something. I'm not sure. Something like that. I mean, uh, Leto played a transgender woman in that movie. Oh, my goodness. Dude, don't even start. Yeah, don't even shut him up. Because <laughs> uh, he'll just put something, put his foot in his mouth. Uh, but no, I mean, so, I mean, and, and you know, there's plenty of people, like, people still to this day give give the Academy shit. It's like, how did Marissa Tomei win a fucking Academy Award? It's like, how did Halle Berry win an Academy Award for taking her top off for Monster Ball or whatever? Yeah. I mean, you know, whatever. It, uh, the point is, it's like, he's earned the award. Good for him. I've Like I said, I've seen him in good stuff. I want to see him in that new movie, uh, that new comic book movie, uh, what is it? For the uh, for the for the vampire movie, he's in that new vampire movie. Oh, okay. I don't even know. I'm not even aware. Yeah, it's one of those. There's some guy. I don't know why I'm blanking on the name. Uh, there's some uh, 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 
Mor Morbo or something, something with an M. I don't know why I'm like I said, I'm blanking on it. It's a guy. He's like he's known as Morbius, the living vampire. That's what it is. So he plays this doctor who's like trying to find a cure for some disease he has, and he goes to like some exotic you know place in the world where there's these special vampire bats, whatever, and he wants to get their blood or something because he wants mm -hmm. to use it for testing, and he like injects himself with it or something, and then he basically becomes a vampire. So, oh, okay, I got you. Yeah, and he becomes like a, a superhero, I guess, doing that, or is he a villain? I don't remember. I think he's. I think he's sort of like an anti-hero or something, but I can't honestly remember. But anyway, he's like, he fought Spider-Man and stuff, so he's famous in the comics. But uh, it actually looks like kind of an interesting movie, so hmm. I'd like to see it. But, uh, yeah, I know. So, anyway, other than that, uh, you know, I, the, a good example, I think, is this way. How about, because he's sort of a comedian of sorts, because he wrote a humorous show, and that is Homeboy from uh, Metalocalypse. Oh, you know? uh what was his name? Brandon Small or something yeah, like Brandon that? Yeah, Brandon Smalls, yeah. Yeah, see? And so that's an example of a guy who did something else but then got into music. I mean, I think he was into music before, but he uh, he's actually good at it. I mean, if you mm -hmm. listen to that music, that stuff's pretty good. I mean, it's it's your basic sort of thrash or, yeah. or sort of, you know, classic heavy metal, but, I mean, it's, it's not shitty. And right. it's not surviving off his name or something, even though it's shitty music, so... I respect that. I mean, good music is good music wherever you find it. And he's actually apparently a pretty decent rhythm player, so cool. Yeah. And they actually toured with the, the Metalocalypse, didn't they? With the cartoon characters on the screen, and they were just playing behind it or something? Or yeah, what? something like that, yeah. And I think they've toured with you know other big bands on, on the bill or something like that. So yeah, I, I kind of remember cool. that. I'm cool with it was, that it shit. Was kind of, it was quick. It didn't happen for long, I don't believe. Yeah. But I tell you what, let's play a song. Let's play some Smackbound. Nice. Uh, let's play Drive It Like You Stole It, Holmes. You gotta be yourself. Let the true you win. Come with the nice, got the shadow of the silence. That is making you hollow. And that is breaking your fate. You better shine like the devil. Be the better now. musicians and Netta just great voice and uh, like to get her back on the show she was really cool to talk to as well uh -huh. I'm hip to that what else you got over there Paisan uh, homeboy uh, our boy Steve Vai is he sick Holmes he's sick yeah he doesn't have the COVID what happened is apparently he, uh, he had to have surgery oh shit he developed something called trigger finger you ever heard of that huh it's like, sort of like, I guess, you know, like the way your finger bends for a trigger. It's like a, a condition, like a sprained finger uh, condition where you basically, it's stuck in a bent position. 
So I guess he had to have a uh, an operation to like unbend it or something, which is oh, kind of wow. yeah. Is it like, on his, uh, his I think it's on his or... right hand because I saw a recent video where he's playing guitar. You know, like he just did a new one and uh, it's all left hand. He's all he's not even using his right hand. It's just like oh shit. Right. Yeah, and it's like and it still sounds amazing. Like if you just listen to it, you would you couldn't tell that he wasn't playing wow. the other way. Uh, but it's kind of funky to see him like, dude, where's your hand, bro? But I think it's like he's it's like behind the guitar while he's playing because he's like in a cast or something. I don't know. Oh, but shit. Uh, What's his recovery is it say? I don't know. Let's see. It says here that uh, he said he you know he so he had the thing the the procedure because he wanted to have it done sooner rather than later so he can get into, back into playing shape before touring starts again because of course COVID is starting to go away so uh, or at least enough for them to start doing stuff so uh, here, here's the quote this is from uh, Metal Sucks he says I was doing this fun thing and I had to put my thumb in this really weird position I had to kind of hold this cord really for a long time I was meditating on it bye and I knew it was a hard position, and I just kept sitting there and playing it and playing and playing. And 20 minutes later, uh, I kind of come out, and uh, I've got a pain in my hand, so I kind of sprained it. He said, so then all of a sudden I developed trigger finger. My wife said, don't show anybody, because they did that operation, and they cut in there, and the guy's fooling around with everything in there, and it's really bizarre. But it's all fine. It's something very simple that they can fix, but I won't be able to play for a while. So uh, I guess, uh, you know, it's going to take a... Uh, maybe a couple of months at least to get, get back in it you know just in it for it to be healed enough for him to start trying yeah. to play again now luckily well let me see he said but he said holding a chord now holding a chord would involve his left hand but in yeah. this when i saw him playing i mean he was he wasn't using his right hand his picking hand and he was mm -hmm. using his left hand for everything so that's so i don't understand what's going on i don't know if it huh. said what hand it is yeah the the video itself no it's a different video uh but uh, I'll have to find a link and post it up where it's uh, he's playing some new song. He just released it, like, I think this week or something. Oh, okay. But uh, it's wild, man. I'm like, don't go fuck yourself up, Holmes. We need you to keep jamming. I don't need all my favorite guitarists disappearing because they've sprained yeah, no their shit. fucking fingers. No shit. So uh, anyway, I wonder if that's happened. I don't guess so with other people in, in isolation doing whatever they're doing. I wonder if anyone else is fucking themselves up. Yeah, or, I don't or know, can you man. imagine they got so out of practice because it's like, well, we're out of work anyway. So they just, I don't know, sat around the house or got other jobs and that they basically haven't been playing guitar for a year. That would be weird. Well, you know, it's interesting. When we interviewed uh, Jonas from uh, Evergrade, the drummer, mm -hmm. he said that uh, when they went in to record the record, he was like, are they, they know they, they recorded the record. We forgot he went all out, the didn't pods. play drums for a long time, and then they uh -huh. did like this live streaming thing. He's like, "Dude, I had to fucking work my ass off to get back <laughs> in the playing shit." Because Evergrey, that's not easy music to play, right? So Ooh, that's some pretty good stuff, yeah. Yeah, yeah. He was like, "Dude, it was hard because I fucked up over that whole fucking live stream." Because <laughs> oh, I just fake bad. it, mate. Yeah, yeah. So he said, "Yeah, whenever they get close to where they're gonna be able to start playing some shows again, he says he's gonna have to work his ass off to get back in playing shape." It's all and sampled. It's kind of interesting too, though. If and we've talked about this before with like Eric Martin, where Eric was like, "Hey, it's kind of nice to be able to take this and you know save my voice for a bit, yeah. you know, because he's not out singing and performing live." Because we've talked to Eric a few times after he's done a lot of touring, uh, and he's kind of raspy and uh, yeah. stuff. So he was kind of yeah. looking forward to it, not to this extent, I'm sure. 
But that's the thing about a lot of those, especially singers. You can really hear it with the singers, where if they've been torn by the end of the tour, they're like, ah, they're just wrecked. Yeah, and they need to rest. Will you talk to Eric again? See what he's up to. Your boy, Eric. My brother from another mother. Exactly, Holmes. Well, you're probably excited about this next story. Ladle. This is actually off of our own Houston Press. And I didn't know about this, uh, but apparently there's going to be a new book coming out. A massive new book, as it's called. It's called Nothing But a Good Time. The uncensored, oh, my goodness. The Uncensored History of the 80s Hard Rock Explosion. Hmm. So, apparently, this is pretty cool. According to the article, they say here... Um, it says, uh, noted music journos Tom Bojour and Richard Beanstalk, who met while writing for Guitar World magazine, included more than 200 mostly original interviews with musicians, producers, engineers, managers, promoters, journalists, fans, DJs, and VJs. The result is a highly entertaining and definitely no-holds-barred book. That's pretty cool. He says, this is the music that has never left us. We always discuss doing a book because it would be fun and cool, but an enormous task... Uh, uh, because the music that captured our imaginations when we were young, uh, you only get that relationship with music a couple of times in your life. You can't bond with the genre as strongly in, say, your 30s. So they basically, in other words, are like us. They're about our age. And yeah. remember growing up in the 80s when that music was huge. And they're just like, fucking, we got to basically write a tribute to this shit. So almost like another, almost sounds like another, what do you call it, a uh, uh, decline of Western civilization almost in that yeah. it's... We're talking with these people right in the thick of that stuff. So, you know, the classic uh, Guns N' Roses, Molly Crew, Bon Jovi, Poison, Def Leppard, Twisted Sister, Warrant, Winger, Ellie Gunn, Skid Row, Tesla, Wasp, Dachshund, Vixen, Choir Riot, Striper, Rat, Cinderella, White Snake, and Great White. So, they're all about it, dude, and I think that's kind of cool. Uh, that, that I mean, I, certainly other shit has been written about it. It's not like no one's yeah. ever written about this era. But this is supposed to be a pretty serious 560-page book. Damn. So fucking uh, around over there. Yeah, but I figured since you're the big book guy, you might be interested in checking it out. Because I'm never going to fucking read it. Do what? I forgot how to read. <laughs> no shit. Like, I don't do that no more. <laughs> no, I used to do the Rock Docs all the time, especially when I was flying a lot. Yeah. And then exactly. I got the tablet, and now I just... I just got on the plane to sleep. <laughs> it's because I'm old or what. I was like, fuck it, I'm just gonna go to sleep. Well, just, I don't you know, sleep with a fuck anymore anyway, so. I know shit. But you remember back big... back in the day, the big thing, I mean, especially on the Sunset Strip is where this really kind of yeah. blew up. And uh, they talk, of course, about the flyers, how they'd have the flyer wars, where they'd put up fucking all those flyers all over every oh, telephone yeah. pole. And then, like, within a couple hours, a competing band would plaster the fucking pole with all of their posters. And just, there was always. Oh, dude. And, Okay, yep. I was just going to say the classic scene in Decline of Western Civilization yeah. where they're talking about Poison and some of the other guys. And you can see those poles, like the, the posters aren't there anymore, but there's just literally tens of thousands of little staples in yeah. every one of those fucking things. It looks weird. Uh, the thing is, man, I started thinking about that and I go, man, I remember back in the 80s and imagine if we had been actual adults living in California in oh, yeah. the 80s you know, and being able to do every night. Because remember back here in Houston uh, when I was in high school, every Friday night, me and my friend Chris would go and we would just drive up and down Westheimer all night, especially oh, yeah. in, especially inside the loop, right? And you drive up and down Westheimer and we'd have just all this beer in the car. That's right. Back then we were doing bad things that none of you should do, kids. Don't be driving and drinking. 
but back in the day, I know it's bad because we did it and we did the fuck out. So <laughs> we did I'm too. not advocating it. I'm just saying this. I'm just telling you the truth. And and you know, remember our famous story of we he had a Scirocco, a VW Scirocco, and it had the big tire well in the back of the because it's a hatchback. And so he got the, we got the bright idea to say let's take out the tire, and let's get a 30 gallon trash can, cut cut the bottom of it. You know, so you just have the top, you know, the bottom foot of it. Stick that in the well, put some ice in it, and put a pony keg in it. There you go. So we literally drove Genius. around with, with the hose sticking between the front seat and the passenger seat. And we were just pouring beers all night, driving up and down West Ham. So <laughs> nice. that's the worst we ever did. But um, the thing is, imagine if instead of there, we lived in California. We were doing that on the fucking Sunset Strip, dude. Oh, dude. You imagine how many yeah. amazing bands we could have seen back in the day before. Now, of course, they're famous. Everybody knows them. But there was a time when... Nobody knew who Van Halen was. Nobody knew who Rat was or Poison or any of those bands. But they yeah. were playing a little shit clubs uh, in fucking Los Angeles. That would have been amazing. Oh, yeah, totally, man. Or you'd be, even be able to go to, like, the, the Cat House back in the day. Oh, yeah. That would have been pretty awesome. I mean, we had or, fun just going to the clubs we went to here, but they're nothing sure. compared to the kind of shit you hear about. Oh, hell no. In, in like decline of Western civilization, so again, another shout out to that movie. If anyone, you, if any young people listen to this who've never seen that, you have to see that movie. Oh, it's a must! If, it's a especially must. if you like '80s metal, that shit is classic. Uh, oh, totally. It's amazing who you'll see because Mustaine's in there, right? Megadeth's in there. Yeah, you'll see a young Megadeth. Don't they talk to Slayer too? I think. No, no. So there's uh, Poison, Alice Cooper, Kiss. Definitely Ozzy, uh, Lemmy. I remember Lemmy. Lemmy, uh, Mustaine, uh, a bunch Lost of no-name bands. Yeah, Chris Holmes. Because <laughs> fucking Chris is in there. It's it's um, it's amazing. Oh what's yeah, the, yeah. What's the classic? The one dude is like the one big fat dude who's in the band. Isn't there just like one big dude who had a band, like Warlock? Oh, you're seeing an Odin, right? Odin. 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 He's like. It's like having a million dollar check and you got nowhere to cash it. <laughs> <Remember> <laughs> that line? And, okay. and what's funny is you kept asking all the dudes like uh, in the same question, sort of in different ways, but always basically yeah. like, so, you know, where do you live? What do you do for a living? He's like, we just live with a chick. And it's like, and you just, you don't pay rent or anything. He's like, nah, you know, and it's sort of like, you know how we pay our rent, bro. It's like, they're <laughs> exactly. all just like, how, they don't feel any shame about it. No, no, not at all. All of these chicks because they're in a band, dude. And the other thing that was hilarious about it is they were all absolute because she kept asking the question. So, do you have any doubt that you're gonna make it big? And they're all just like, no fucking doubt at all, bro. And it's just like, uh huh. We never heard of any motherfuckers outside of this movie <laughs> except, oh, yeah. except Megadeth and the other one. But she didn't ask them that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I mean, those guys have made it, right? Yeah, so. it's the little shit bands. It's just like you're gonna make it, right? They're like, fuck yeah, dude, all the way to the top. So Every one of them. And uh, we'll never see you fuckers. They're, to this day, what, are they probably working at fucking McDonald's? Oh, and then the one guy goes, she goes, what if you don't make it? He goes, we're going to make it. She goes, what if you don't make it? He goes, hey, I'm a smart. He goes, I got long hair, but I'm a businessman. I got stocks. I got bonds. I'm like, <laughs> sure you did. And then he's wearing the like, because he's wearing the little fucking blazer. He's like, hey, man, I fucking dress for it. I'm dressed <laughs> like a rock star. This guy. That's right, because they kept also interviewing Ricky Rackman and, and who was it? Uh, you know the Did band. Yeah, what, what was their band? Uh, the, the Pastor Pussycat. That's it. Oh yeah, yeah, they were in there. Because they're like boys, right? They like co-own the club or something. Yeah, yeah. Well, Ricky Rackman and Tame Tame Me Down. Yeah, 
they, they, yeah, I think Ricky Rackman's in there briefly too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they interviewed him too. This, this, this and Lizzie Borden, love the Lizzie Borden. Yeah, your boy LB. Uh, London, London cracked me up. I liked London. They actually, they never really made it, but they they put out a couple records. I ever actually have them on vinyl. That's the thing. And Some of those bands actually didn't sound bad. It's just like, but there were so many of them like that. You're like, how are you gonna break through and be different? You know, distinguish yeah. yourself. I'll never forget Nadir Priest has got the, the little flag, uh, the Russian flag. They had this song called Russian Winter. Uh-huh. And he's like, here you go, Russians. And he's trying to light the flag. And it won't, he goes, these fuckers are tough. Which <laughs> is totally funny, man. And then later, I, probably in the alley, someone beat his ass for it. Uh, homeboy, the guitar player, I think his name was Curly. He passed away a few years ago. He was pretty funny. Uh-huh. Uh, guitar players that he was average or whatever but i don't know if he continued to play or not that's the thing the best you can hope for out of that of those all of those guys that just disappeared into obscurity mm-hmm. is that one or one or more of those guys now has their own podcast where they talk all about 80s metal and they're just oh, like yeah. experts on it right so they can because they were in there that would be pretty cool but well, I, I you know a side note to that movie and one of the most classic scenes in that movie is with chris holmes and recently, there's uh, been a documentary put out on Chris Holmes called Mean Man, yep. uh, which I'll be posting a review up on pretty soon on the site. Uh, and we're going to do our best to try to get Chris on the show. That would be pretty fucking cool. That would be insane, dude. So, uh, what is he? Because he, huh? he's still like that, right? I mean, he hasn't like cleaned no, up. No, he that. cleaned up. I think he's sober now. Oh, that would be good. Because I wouldn't want to talk to him when he's all fucked up like that. If he's like can talk normally you can ask him reasonable questions about it and he won't freak out on you and get like a raving lunatic then it would be yeah. actually a really great interview to have man. yeah yeah so uh no he's seen I, I think he's really kind of got his shit together i think he has his own podcast now and uh, there's a scene in the documentary where he's watching the video of him at the pool in decline Oh, and he's yeah. just like looking at it. And then his mom's still alive. She's in the movie too, or the right. new documentary. Oh, wow. Okay. So it's, it's pretty interesting. And I mean, you get a lot of goods on uh, Mr. Blackie Laws in this <laughs> documentary on, I guess, not really a good guy. That's too bad. Just being mates and stuff like yeah. that. So apparently, according to Chris, he got fucked out of all his publishing when he was in Wasp. So that sucks. Uh, Signed a bad deal, Holmes. Like a lot of people did too. But apparently, he signed that bad deal to Blackie Holmes. Oh, Blackie screwed him, Holmes. Yeah. So. Well, moving on. Have you heard from old uh, Tony Iommi? Uh, the 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 uh, the paranoid man himself, the Iron Man, the true Iron Rip Man, Holmes. Indeed, Holmes. Talking about how uh, he'd like to play again. That would be awesome. Is he wanting to do Sabbath or I, I thought he would do like a solo record or something. I think there's talk of that. I think that I think what it is, he's just itching to do stuff. He's been, you know, not doing stuff because he was out of commission for a little while. And Is he cancer free? Uh, I don't know. Let's see. This is a, an article from Mercury News. And uh, it says here that uh, he is feeling. Oh, well, it's a little interview with him where they just. Basically, the, the headline of it says, I would like to play with the guys again, uh, as far as Black Sabbath. Tony Iommi on Black Sabbath. So, yeah, I'd like to play with me mates and get really smashed. 
No, that would be bad. But uh, I think he's uh, ready to play with him again. So I guess, is everybody still around? So you got Ozzy, you got Geezer, right? He's still around. Yeah. And, yeah, Bill uh, Ward's still Bill around. Ward? Damn, so well, they really... Bill Ward couldn't come to terms because they were kind of... I think Sharon was fucking him on money on the reunion. So he said, fuck that, dude. It does seem like... See, that's the thing. I'm, I'm torn about how to feel about it. If I were Bill Ward, I'd be like, look, yeah, you're Bill Ward, but you're Bill Ward because of Black Sabbath. So if you're ever really going to make any real money at all anymore... I mean, he can't just start touring around town and saying i'm bill ward it's the bill ward band people be like who gives a fuck about that you know it's like he did put out a solo record while back yeah yeah and i'm not doing it to diss on him i'm just saying yeah. it's like realistically i mean i heard didn't geezer butler recently do like a solo record i'm like i don't give a shit about that he no no hear. no disrespect to geezer butler i'm just i mean the riff master is tony iomi man i mean right, if you right. want to hear great metal if you want to hear anything with tony so there was actually geezer did something uh right before covid with steve stevens uh, okay and i want to say it's called deadland ritual actually yeah. we played a song on the show before um that was pretty cool man i was kind of hoping that they were going to do uh more music and maybe they were and then the whole thing just kind of went to shit because of covid yeah i don't know but yeah, it was Deadland Ritual. Okay. And they were pretty good. Like I said, they had two songs. Uh, I guess we could play one. Uh, why don't we play Broken and Bruised? Yeah. interesting because I've seen some stuff on YouTube where they do of course Deadland Ritual songs but then they do Billy Idol songs and then they do Sabbath songs. Imagine Steve Stevens playing some Sabbath. Oh man, that'd be wild. Yeah, it'd be pretty cool to hear. But uh, 
but anyway, so it just looks like a pretty good interview. It's not a long one, but he uh, talks about stuff. They ask him a lot of interesting questions. Like, for instance, they say, hey, people think of Ozzy first when it comes to Sabbath vocalists, followed by Dio. But what other past Sabbath singers and corresponding albums do you think people should really go back and check out? And he says the Tony Martin period. Oh, he fuck said, yeah. He says, which really got buried. He was with me a long time, him and uh, Powell and Neil. It was a different line of the Sabbath. Then Geezer would come and go in different places, and so would Bill. I think that sort of got buried in the wake of all the Sabbath reunion with Ozzy and the Dia stuff. But it will come up. We are going to release a box set with Tony Martin because some of those songs are really good, you know? We got plenty of stuff that we can make some bonus stuff with that as well. That sounds kind of cool. Dude, I love the Tony Martin era. Yeah, I, see, I don't know do. anything about the Tony Martin. I don't even know who the fuck that is. That's how you never heard the Headless Cross? The song The Headless Cross? Unless Ozzy or uh, Dio covered it in a concert or something. I would no, never. no. That, they, they, <laughs> one of them I'm going to sing Tony Martin shit. Right, so that's why oh. I'm like, I, I never heard of it. I never bothered Oh, dude. Well, we have to play one more song then. we got to play Headless Cross. <laughs> All right. Then. You've never heard this. Huh. Let's do it. And I'll, I'll t- I've said this on the show before that, you know, the Aussie stuff, I love the Aussie stuff, but Dio is my preferred Sabbath singer. I think primarily because that's when I got into Sabbath, uh, Heaven and Hell and stuff like that. And then I love Mob Rules. But behind him, I think it was Tony Martin. because, And maybe it's because, yeah, I heard like Paranoid a billion times or Iron Man a billion times. Right. I didn't get really deep into some of the Aussie 
catalog stuff. Uh, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, War Pigs. I love that stuff. But, I mean, I don't know. I like that Dio vocal style over Iomi's riffs uh, better okay. than Ozzy's vocals. Uh-huh. If that makes any sense. Sure. Um, so Ozzy would actually be probably my third favorite vocalist of Sabbath, which is probably sacrilege, but I don't know. It's just my opinion. That's the thing. I think do with that? That's the thing. I think that people love that stuff because, I mean, it is Sabbath. It established Sabbath as a band, and it's all famous and, and classic stuff. But as far as, you know, if I could have anybody else as a vocalist, you know, I, you know obviously Dio. But I, as a vocalist himself, in and of himself, I've never been so impressed with Ozzy that it's like, oh, it's just not the same without Ozzy. It's like, I mean, Ozzy's okay, but I don't give a shit. His voice is very sort of... It's unique, I guess, but it's not. he's not a great vocalist. He's not like this amazing singer or anything. He just became famous as the voice of these bands, you know? Greg, Greg. What? Uh, uh, sure, no, I spoke on the hotline. Dude, I, we're doing a live show. I don't. Yeah, drop it. Yeah. Just, just, just hit just, Hang yeah. it up. That car didn't should probably take this. Tell Colin he could suck on my left one. <laughs> Dude, just tell him we'll, I'll get with Sharon after the show. Uh, I liked Ozzy more, of, and I've said this before too, I liked him better as a solo artist than the lead vocalist for Sabbath. Oh, yeah. and that's, I love the solo, his solo work a lot better than his work with Sabbath. And really, let's be honest, what you love about it is the guitar, right? Well, I mean, his vocals are good too. I mean... I like, dude, fucking Diary of Madman is. That's one what I'm of saying. I don't favorite. dislike his vocals. Yeah, I'm yeah. just not. I mean, when you think of great vocalists, you don't say Ozzy. It's like, well, great because he literally is a great singer, or great because he is great in the sense that he's got all this grand history behind him of founding one of the biggest fucking, probably the biggest fucking band in heavy metal of all time. Right. If it weren't for that, would you give a shit about Ozzy? If if Ozzy had been Ozzy. But there was never any Black Sabbath before it. Would you give a shit? Would you still be as excited about the music as you are? Well, that's and, the funny thing. Really think about it. Yeah. So when I learned about Sabbath, I think the first song I ever heard was Neon Nights. Yeah. So you didn't realize Ozzy was the was And the then guy. around the same time, I was hearing Crazy Train by Ozzy. All right. And so, it's a great song. Obviously, admittedly, a fantastic song. So at that point, I think maybe that's kind of what my thinking or my process is here is because I had learned of Ozzy as a solo artist before I knew he was a vocalist of Sabbath okay. and I knew Dio as a vocalist of like Sabbath before. Oh, I, I see. Knew. So you came into Sabbath like everybody else, but you came in in the Dio time. Yes. So you didn't realize that there had ever been another one. You thought that was Sabbath with Dio. Well, yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll push it another I'll give you another example where Dio was the vocalist of Rainbow. Right. But when I discovered Rainbow, Jolyn Turner was the vocalist. Oh, okay. And I think I had, tend to listen to more of the Jolyn Turner stuff yeah. than more of the Dio stuff. And Rainbow, I love the Rainbow Dio stuff, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But the Jolyn Turner, that's when I discovered Rainbow. Okay. Interesting. And, and I bet that's true for a lot of people that if you come in during, because there are a lot of bands where they never, where they had, well, like look at Dream Theater or any of these other bands where they had more than one artist be like the singer or whatever. 
So you've got eras. Black Sabbath is a great example too, where you just said there's the Ozzy era, there's the Tony Martin era, there's the the Dio era, and there are people who came into knowing the band in one of those eras, and so for them, that's the band, right? They don't think of it as anybody. They know there's other people. They find out later, oh, there was Ozzy used to be here. It's like okay, and they listen to it like that's okay, but I really like the fucking Neon Knights and you know all the great Dio stuff. It's like that's totally cool. And I bet that's yeah. true for a lot of people that if you come into a band, like there's probably people who have no idea Charlie Dominici exists <laughs> as far as Dream Theater, right? Because it's basically been James all along, just that first album. Uh, and I still like a lot of those songs in that first album. You know, some good stuff on there. Um, but yeah, he's, he's clearly that's the guy. And and wasn't. I mean, I remember. I know that Bruce wasn't in Iron Maiden for a while, but when he wasn't, did they have another vocalist, or were they just on hiatus? Well, we are you trying I don't to remember. Aldeano, and then you have Bruce Dickinson, and then you have Blaze Bailey. Okay, so Blaze Bailey, Bailey was this, yeah, they just like one album or something. It's gonna get uh, forgotten about. Yeah, so, exactly. <laughs> no, it was wasn't a good match. Yeah, and that's again no uh, disrespect to Blaze Bailey. I mean, maybe on his own as a single singing artist guy, he's okay. It just didn't work for that. But the point is, like like we were saying, is I I think that happens to a lot of people. They come into a certain era, and for them, that's the band, and they can't, it's hard to break out of that. Even though Ozzy is a very clearly defined and very uh, much appreciated era of of uh, Black Sabbath. Oh, there's two other great examples too. Is and this one's hard for me. I can't really discern an era that I like better. I think I would probably lean towards one a little bit more than I would the other. But ACDC. So you got Bon Scott, oh, you yeah. got Brian Johnson. Yeah, that's, bon a, big, that's a good example. Bon stuff's hard to beat. And that's where I veer off to. But I love the Brian Johnson stuff as well. Yeah, that's an example where I like both eras. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Like, I love the Bon Scott stuff, but I also equally love the Brian Johnson stuff. So. And then uh, Van Halen. I love the. I always pick Roth over Sammy. Yeah. But the both eras were good too. I mean, there's great songwriting in both eras. Both really good vocalists. I mean, Dave's not your best vocalist, but See? he was great in Van Halen. I, he's that's where I would like in your comment to Ozzy in Sabbath and maybe Ozzy as being maybe a figure that could sing and he when he had good music around him he made the song and he was a performer yeah um, you're you're right there's a there's a great parallel between david lee roth and van halen and ozzy and black sabbath yeah so you're right they they both went on to have their own careers solo um, and they both uh are part of a band they were there from the beginning of the band they helped start the band or or got them famous with the band and uh, it's hard to separate them from that but on their own are they really that great of a, is david lee roth really that great a vocalist not really that doesn't mean he's i'm not saying he's bad he's just not that great would he have ever been able to get into any other band maybe not i don't know he was one of those right place right times he was there for van halen they picked him he went they blew up great and then like you said sammy came along and he's great too and i bet you there's a lot of people out there who came in in the sammy era and as far as they know they go van halen is sammy hagar you're like, no, there yeah. was this other guy, and they're like, I heard that, but I, I'm, I'm really a Sammy Hagar guy. <laughs> you know, like, Sammy's a superior vocalist, like Ronnie James Z was a superior vocalist. Style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting. I never knew there was such a parallel. But l- let's get back real quick to the Tony before we close out this article, sure. and that is, uh, so they asked him. He said, uh, 
<laughs> one of the funny questions I asked, he said, if not Sabbath, how about getting together with Ian Anderson for a Jethro Tull tour? <laughs> and he says, after all, you remember of Tull for a short spell in the 60s. And uh, big laughs, it says in the answer. I don't think so. Actually, I do see Ian. I went over to his house before the pandemic, and it was great. We had a lovely time. He said, yeah, we could always do a one-off thing at some point. But then he says, I'm quite open for a lot of stuff now because I don't have to plan. Say I'm doing a tour for a year or whatever because that really gets difficult. I could do two or three weeks for a tour or a gig or whatever. But as far as doing those long tours, I don't think so. He says, I'm open to doing various stuff right now. I've been offered a lot of different things at the moment, which is really exciting. So then the guy follows up with, the first time I interviewed you was in 2013, a few months after you've been diagnosed with lymphoma. How are you feeling these days? And he says, well, I feel okay. I feel pretty good, really. I still go for my tests. In fact, I went last week for my general tests, which are quite regular. I get tired, but so does everyone else at my age, I think, in general. Uh, I'm good, and uh, the doctors seem to think I'm in good health at the moment, so I was pleased to hear that. So that's good to hear. So yeah, yeah, obviously, totally. I guess he still is sort of living with the condition in some form, but he's he's doing all right, at least enough to consider that he wants to get out and do some stuff, do some projects. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'd like to hear him create some new music. That would be pretty cool. I would love to see him reunite with like Tony Martin. I think that would be pretty cool. I wonder if he, yeah, I wonder if he asked him that, but I'd be interested to. Uh... And dude, I, I've got his book. Um, I think it's called The Real Life Iron Man. Uh-huh. And there's a section of the book about the Tony Martin era, and I just the book's packed away right now. But I've considered many times, it's like shit. I wish I had that book. That's one that I think I would pull out and actually start reading now. Even though I haven't, I never picked it up. I mean, I bought it and own it. I just never found the time to read it. You lazy so, fuck. I am a lazy fuck, Holmes. I'm lazier, Holmes. So it's cool. So uh, let's see now. Uh, we're getting uh, getting a little on. Do you want to go into the classics and the picks or one more article? Let's do one more article and let's go with the classic. All right. Then finally, this is one you brought up. I, I saw the article too, but since you brought it up, I'll give you the credit. This is about uh, old Stephen Piercy. Yeah, Sounds like... Uh, you go ahead. Little rat reunion, Holmes. Yeah, and uh, it says here, uh, when you say around you, you just, you're talking about uh, Homeboy, right? Well, no, what, what they're talking about, I, I've seen a couple different articles on this, and one of yeah. them is basically he wants to do one more, at least one more final rap record, original guys, uh, and I guess they could call it quits or whatever, but, but the, the current lineup of rap, he doesn't want to record with them. He only wants to do it with the original guys. So apparently him and Blotzer, who's been suing the band for the last probably 10 years, <laughs> have made amends uh, okay. somewhat. Since they kind of like fight like brothers, but uh, they're talking and getting along. And apparently he and Warren, before Warren left, uh, were writing some music and it was some really good stuff. So him and Juan Crochet are still in the band. They've got the two new guitar guys and the new drummer. So um, that would be interesting. And I'd wonder if they would bring back Carlos to fill the Robin Crosby role. If so, that would be really cool because the last rap record was really strong, very good. And I actually saw that lineup at Rock the Bayou. Fuck, they killed it that night. They were really, really strong. Uh, 
I like the little combination of Carlos Cavazos on one side of the stage and the other side Warren D. Martini. That was a good guitar duo there for sure. So there's no mention of Carlos, but I would think he would be brought back in the fold. I don't know. I don't know. I see Carlos posting some interesting things on uh, Instagram where he's like slot car racing or something like that with little fake cars. So I guess that's a hobby or whatever. So. Uh, but he is getting his name out there. I saw something else that uh, he's going to do like a tour, storyteller type tour. So I don't know if he's going to sing or bring a singer with him and play some Quiet Riot stuff or what, what he's going to do. Was well, where it intersected with what I was reading, my article that I was going to put up related to the same subject. And that is talking about how this is off a of blabbermouth where uh, Rat Singer and founder Stephen Piercy and his solo band will take part in a live stream concert on Friday, April 2nd from the world-famous Whiskey A Go-Go on the Sunset Strip. And he will be joined by members of Ace Freely, Lita Ford, Danzig, Hell Yeah, Arcade, and a, quote, very special guest. So that very special guest is likely to be uh, Bobby Blotzer. Yeah, and uh, his last month it was reported by Metal Sludge, apparently, that he would be joined by Blotzer for the filming of the virtual concert with his solo band over February 26th and 27th. So I'm not sure... If that's a separate deal or what but anyway so that's where they get into talking about how all that was going to go they said that uh uh him playing again came a month after steven confirmed on eddie trunk's show that they were back on speaking terms and uh he said uh what is it before uh it says here that they were back on speaking terms with the drummer who led his own version of rat for a couple of years beginning in late 2015 before becoming embroiled in a legal battle with the singer guitarist warren d martini and bassist juan crucier over the rights to the band's name so like you said he is quoted as saying it's a love hate brother kind of a gig and all that but he says hey life goes on life's short hate's not a good thing there's communication but i can't say anything so they're looking like uh that's gonna happen what's funny is he throws a a, a pop in there he says look we're not the most dysfunctional band on the planet i've said it before their band's much more dysfunctional motley crew guns and roses you name them but the smart ones make an effort to take care of business motley I don't know if they even talk to each other, but they're getting the business done, and that's where I'm at. What are you, punishing somebody? You're getting back at somebody? You're holding a grudge, a vendetta? It's all bullshit. We're all going to die anyway. Go figure it out. He's changed. He's turned over a new leaf, Holmes. He is, Holmes. <laughs> I love these fucking pricks. He's in therapy, Holmes. <laughs> that's right. He goes in there. He says, Doc, I think I got a problem with anger, you Cocksucker. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that. That was so awesome. Uh, it says here that uh, Rat, featuring Piercy, Crucy, and Martini, played a number of shows in 2017. After reforming a year earlier in the midst of a highly publicized legal battle with Blotzer over the rights of the Rat name, they were joined at the gigs by ex-Quiet Riot guitarist Carlos Gavazzo, who played on Infestation, and drummer Jimmy DeGrasso, who previously played with Y&T, White Line, and Megadeth, among others. So that sounds kind of cool. Well, you know, hey, I'm down uh, with any of these bands. It seems a shame that so many bands, that they could be mad at each other. For, and who knows what they, what it's about. It's easy for us to say this and we know nothing about right. it. But it's like, what it could be so bad that you guys can't even get it together? To, I mean, everyone's going to make money. So it's not like, yeah. you're, it's not like they're going to get the money. You're going to get fucked and you're just there to help them make more money. You'll get a part of it, too. And uh, commensurate supposedly with you know how involved you are with the band, since Piercy fucking founded it and he's a lead guy and everything, it makes sense he'd get a bigger cut, I suppose. But yeah. the point is, is like yeah, but on my own as just fucking 
Bobby Blotzer, I'm not going to make any fucking money, probably. I'll make a hell of a lot more money playing with Rat. So it uh, seems like let's bury the hatchet and get this done. But for it to go like 20 years or something seems crazy. How do you be oh, yeah. mad at somebody for 20 fucking years? I don't even remember people for 20 years. <laughs> no shit, man. <laughs> no shit, man. So whatever. I mean, I guess, uh, like I said, it's easy for us to say. But uh, it'd be nice if all these old bands could just, you know, imagine a major concert event, a true concert event where it's like, I don't know, the 80s are back or whatever tour, kind of like the Warp Tour. Where it's yeah. all these bands, and it's all of these fucking bands that you left from back then with all of the living original members. That'd be pretty sweet. That'd be I fucking feel. amazing, dude. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they call it the Bury the Hatchet Tour or something. Where they're all, That's or, a good the, idea. or the I Gotta Pay for My Retirement Tour or something like that. Indeed, if I have some people like for you to sign Collins, trade back in that. Uh huh. Fucking Collins. Got me the studio. Uh huh. I'm just gonna go to the bathroom. It's cool. Is it that Oh, you check it. It's up in your office. Oh, good point. Yeah, but right after the gig, I'm I'm down with that. But right after we're done here, I'm gonna go to the bathroom. The window still works in that bathroom, right? I can open it. I got to the shed earlier. Cool, cool. All right. I just just asking. Good point. So uh, it's time for some. Let's do that, Holmes. Classics this week? Uh, if you want you to. Week. All right, go for it. But we can both do one. Let's both. I got an idea. I got an. I got a one that I heard the other day. It came on, uh, not the radio, but I had you know, Apple Radio or Apple Music streaming or whatever, and mm-hmm. it came up. So I was like, oh, I forgot how fucking much I love this song. Go for it, Holmes. Fucking how about a little Queen's Rye, Holmes? Queen of the Rye. <laughs> it's actually Eyes of a Stranger. Nice. Let's do it.
Dude, I was like, rosary wrapped around your throat. I was all into it all. Dude, I got to tell you, I, should I spoil the surprise holes? Oh, shit. What is it? We're going to have the Tatester on our show in a few weeks. GT Holmes? GT Holmes. That's what I'm going to call him. How you doing, GT? Or even better, Jeet. What's up, Jeet? Jeet. <laughs> or how about Jeffrey? I should just call him Jeffrey the whole time. <laughs> Jefferonymous. <laughs> His full name. Jefferonymous Aloysius Tate at your service. <laughs> How you doing, mate? You're like, what the fuck? He's wearing like one of those one of those like fucking like Louis the fifteenth frilly fucking uh, shirts with the fucking <laughs> long ass sleeve on it. Hello. What if I call say like, how you doing, Jeffro? <laughs> Jeffro. That'd be awesome if that's his full name. <laughs> find a website you find a website where it's got like all the birth certificates of famous rock stars and you find out their real names eh, that's his name Jeffro Jeffro Leroy Tate <laughs> love it almost well uh, my classic is a band from Phoenix Arizona no such thing and <laughs> that place doesn't even exist <laughs> I don't even, I've never heard of it <laughs> uh, I love this band uh, I, I, a friend of the show, our old friend, we haven't heard from him in a very long time, actually had joined them later on. He wasn't in the original. I think he might have been in the original version. Uh, but then he went on to King Cobra. So that was uh, Jeff, or Dave Henselin. Hi. David Michael Phillips. But he was playing with those guys, Dan Wexler, for a little bit, I think in the 90s when they were trying to get things going. Or maybe it's in the early 2000s. Uh, but anyway, the band's called Icon, mm. and uh, this uh, their first record's really been kind of hitting the uh, the rotation on the old iPod. So nice. uh, I want to pick a song. I love the song. It's called World War Homes. Nice. Let's do it.
Get them apples, Paisan. You ready for your pick of the week? Dude, I got a doozy for you. A doozy? A fucking doozy? For real. For reals? Later. For real skis. Uh, there's a band. I'm not sure where they're from, uh, but at first I thought it was a remake of a classic old tune with kind of a rock vibe to it. <laughs> but it actually it's not. It's just a, It just happens to have the same title. And that is a band called Dirty Honey. Oh, yeah, yeah. We've uh, played them on the show before. Have you played their California Dreamin' song? California Dream. California Dream. I'll take it as a no. <laughs> is it, is it, is it, I, oh God, that just fucked yeah, me can up. You, yeah, get your shit together. <laughs> no shit. That, his rendition of that was just stunning. Hey, um, yeah, that's one way to look at it. I heard a little bit of it today. It's not a cover, though. No, it's not. It's, it's an original song, but it's got a killer fucking groove, man. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. I dig it, mate. All right, let's I'll hear it. Take it. Let's do it. Yeah, I know you played stuff on the show before by them, and I guess I had just forgotten, but I heard this one. It just sounded so fresh. I was like, the groove is really fucking sweet off of the the new. I mean, they just released this album. It's self-titled, so and that's the title track off California Dream. Yeah, and uh, actually, uh, we may, well, not we may. We, we've been trying to get these guys on the show for a while since I met them at the uh, Red Sun Rising show. Uh-huh. Uh, just haven't got it hooked up, so... Got a new connection, Holmes. Nice, on so, the California connection. Exactly. So hopefully we're going to be able to talk to them in the near future. Um, I'm going to go Prague, Holmes. I'm going to take your take your lead on the Prague vibe, Holmes. I'm going Prague. Nice. So this band's called Odd Dimension. They're from an odd dimension. <laughs> this place looks odd. <laughs> Are we in some sort of weird dimension? 
the album's called The Blue Dawn. Just came out here not too long ago. And uh, let's go with Escape to Blue Planet. Which means it's time for us to give you two big holes. Hi, this is Ronnie Romero from Sunstorm, and you're listening to the Genghis on Riot Man show. Horns up. <laughs> really a newcomer this guy's been around for a while but man he has a set of pipes on him uh great vocalist we're talking to ronnie romero ronnie welcome to the genghis and ragman show hey helen thank you dude i tell you what i'm blown away by your vocals you're just very very powerful uh got kind of got that do sound i'm sure you get that a lot (laughs) so i'm sure he was a huge influence on you yeah thank you but uh 
Sunstorm, how did you get involved in the Sunstorm project? Seems like there's this little, uh, I guess, thread that weaves you with uh, rainbow uh, type stuff where you're in a project now that was formerly fronted by JoLynn Turner. So how did you get involved in the project? Yeah, it looks like I'm stealing all the Joes. Uh, <laughs> <right? laughs> That's what it looks like from his side. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> um, I, I just got a call from from Serafina from Frontiers. Um, um, and they were they were looking for a singer for to replace Joe on the on the project. Um, and and it told me, listen, we are trying to to rebuild this this project and and I, I immediately say yes because you know it's is is my one of my favorite projects from frontiers ever you know i was listening those records with joe since they started with this so uh, to me it was cool to try to you know to sing something totally different from the my other projects which are more like heavy metal and that kind of things uh, so yeah, I just got the call and and we agreed to work on this. Well, I think that's cool because a guy like yourself, like you said, you're, you're doing a bit more of a melodic thing and you're known as more of like a metal guy, kind of like Russell Allen's done this project with uh, uh, Joel Hoekstra where he's singing almost like Lou Gramish and you're like, dude, I didn't know he could do that, you know? So <laughs> it, when do you feel like you kind of step out of your element? A little bit when you do more of the melodic stuff, or do you kind of like doing that along, of course, with the real heavier, more uh, type music that you're associated with? Uh, you know, there is two things all the times with, with singers. Uh, we always try to prove ourselves that we can do something different every time, you know. Um, and I was, <laughs> besides Rainbow, I was doing a lot of uh, heavy metal with my band, uh, Lords of Black. So uh, the people just put me this uh, this kind of um, uh, tape of this is a heavy metal singer and 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 actually for me it's it's pretty strange because I grew up listening classic rock and melodic rock with my father you know rest in peace um, uh, probably if you ask me for my favorite singer is I can tell you Steve Perry from Journey you know? <laughs> uh, <laughs> there you go. Uh, so yeah, so to me, first of all, was a kind of a proof myself that I can sing something different and to get out of my comfort zone doing heavy metal, you know, um, because Sunstorm is a quite more melodic, and you need to work a lot on the harmonies on and the, and the vocal production itself. So it's totally different from the rest of the things that I did before. Um, and then the second thing is that I love melodic music, so I was really up to do it just because of this. Well, that's awesome. We well, sound great on it. And, dude, I, I, I try to pick out a lot of songs to talk to an artist about, and I, I like about every one of them on the record. There's <laughs> there's definitely no filler on this thing. Uh, before we jump into the record, um, were, how were involved were you? Uh, were you involved in the writing at all or, like, any of the lyrics or melodies or anything like that? Or was it kind of, you know, they the guys had already written the music and they kind of sent it over to you? Um, yeah, with this project and then some other Frontiers projects, is even now because of the lockdown and the COVID restrictions and everything, uh, it's really hard to work all together on the studio. I would love to do that, but by now it's impossible because actually I'm based in Bucharest, in Bucharest in Romania, and the rest of the guys there are in, in Italy. So <laughs> it will be very difficult to work together. But um, and normally what we do is um, there is a songwriter, like in this case, Alessandro Del Vecchio, 
Um, he wrote all the music and all the lyrics, but I have enough freedom to change things and to put my own uh, performance and vocal style and, you know, uh, to change a little bit the lyrics uh, based on my performance in the song. So at the end, it's kind of a to be working together in the studio. So uh, I was not writing any song or any lyric, but I was I was doing a kind of a vocal production myself. Yeah, I, I kind of heard that where with some of these projects like this, Alessandro is just like a writing machine, apparently. That dude writes a lot of music, man. Uh, but no, I hear that. Uh, so if you get it, he sends you an idea, you can kind of tweak it and say, this. I think this might work better. And I think that's cool that there's that freedom uh, within these projects where, again, like he's writing the majority, but you still kind of have your say on what you think might work. Uh, you know, it's very important to at the end to be to be involved in in in, in a way uh, on the songwriting process. But uh, as I told you, it's really um, impossible to me right now because there is no time uh, and there is no chances to to fly into any any place in yeah. Europe. Obviously, uh, it's not possible. But uh, at the end, I think it's very important to not to sound as a standard uh, project to to at least to put your own thing when you are singing. Um, and and as I told you, I get a lot of freedom from from Alessandro in the way that I was actually I was singing the songs and I was recording the songs, sending back to Alessandro to check it out, and he was like, "This is perfect. I don't need, you don't need to change anything," you know. <laughs> so so I think there was a sort of uh, chemistry as well. Uh, in the um, in the recording uh, because we were you know just uh, he was sending me the songs I was go I was going to the studio I was recording the vocals I was sending the tracks back uh, and he was telling me like uh, this is perfect you don't need to remake anything so that's perfect yeah it, it, the songs flow so well uh, the name of the records Afterlight comes out on the 12th of March on Frontiers uh, I gotta tell you one of my favorite first songs is uh, Stronger. A kind of a mid-tempo rocker, just really good melodic, man. That's a really good tune.
yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of my favorite. But as you, as you told before, there is no fillers. Um, from the first song, you can feel there is um, um, energy flowing in every song. There is nothing like a, uh, I don't like this that much like the other one. You know, every song is different. Uh, and for example, you can hear One Step Closer to Heaven, which is One Step Closer, which is one of my favorites. Um, it's very melodic and very... AOR, and, and then you have this stronger, and then you have uh, Born Again, which is pretty more like uh, heavy a little bit, and then you have this ballad, uh, and then you know it's. Uh, I, I think it's a, it will be a very entertaining album to listen for the fans. Oh, I think so. In, in the I guess the first single and video Afterlife uh, kind of bring harkens back to kind of a rainbow, like a Dio era rainbow vibe. It, yeah. Just a really really cool tune as well. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah, and then you have those, uh, you know, those those Hammonds from Alessandro, which you know uh, brings you this uh, this vibe from the 70s and the 80s. So I think, yeah, it's super cool. Well, it doesn't hurt that you have Simone Mularoni on guitar either. That <laughs> dude is a monster, oh, man. He is, he is amazing. You know, we we met we met once before. It was he was doing uh, the mixing for the first Ferryman record I did with Magnus Carlson, um, and then we met and I saw his band DGM, and it was blown away about his uh, you know guitar playing skills and i was like this guy is awesome and then suddenly when i got the tracks for the recording for this sunstorm ammo i was jesus christ this guy is so <laughs> operated you know <laughs> yeah yeah for sure dude it was funny man because i hadn't read the bio and i forgot he had played on a couple sunstorm records and i heard the solo in uh, born again i'm like Dude, that sounds like <laughs> Simone, dude. <laughs> so I went yeah. and checked. I was like, holy yeah. shit, Simone's on here, man. That's awesome. Yeah, super. But, uh, yeah, another track I wanted to talk about was uh, uh, Darkest Night, and that was, for me, one of the more AOR, kind of more yeah. melodic uh, type tracks, but just, just a good, well-written song, uh, sing-along type thing. <laughs> To, to work on this on this album because as I told you is um, it's totally different from the things that I did before and 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 I loved you know to 
at least to record two or three or even four uh, backing track, <laughs> backing tracks, <laughs> yeah, which is which is super. Uh, you know, it, it's it's super nice and entertaining to do it you know, on the studio. You know, to, uh, to not ju just to record the, the main vocal line and then a couple of harmonies, uh, and that's it. Well, I was you know trying to figure it out how to do it, when to to play uh, or when to sing a, a backing vocal and. And that was super funny for me. Uh, I, I never had that fan uh, before on the studio. So yeah, I think you can notice even on the production that the vocal is totally different from the rest of the things that I did before. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's like it's kind of interesting. Like you said, you really kind of pushed yourself uh, getting into a little bit different element as far as music. Not you know, it's still rock, but yeah, you know what I mean. And, and actually, then you have you have an extra element, which is the. Uh, uh, even when you don't want to do this or to think about this, you actually are thinking all the time that the people gonna compare with the previous Sunstorms albums, you know? <laughs> so yeah. you need to push yourself a lot. Well, I, I love this record. It's uh, It's got, got a little bit of a punch to it. Uh, it's very melodic, but it's still got an edge to it, which I love that type of music. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> um, I think it's different from the previous albums from Sunstorm, obviously because um, the singer is not the same. But um, and I have and, and I have a lot of respect about uh, Jolene Turner. Um, um, you know, the people think that we are enemies, and that's funny because <laughs> uh, because everything starts when I joined Rainbow uh, like five years ago, uh, and now this happens again. But actually, we are together. Uh, singing in um in a, in the Michael Schenker album so <laughs> uh, we never met before you know we never talked before um, so I guess it's just a matter of time to talk about this misunderstood <laughs> thing <laughs> well he, that is funny because I interviewed him uh, it was years ago and he was talking he's like man I just want to get Richie I want to do the rainbow thing again and then I, I think everybody thought Joe was gonna get the gig and they're like, no, we got this new guy. And they're like, what? What happened? And you killed it, of course. But it, it took a <laughs> lot of people kind of by a surprise that you got the gig and he didn't. And then, like you said, now your film is <laughs> you're right behind him in Sunstorm. So it's yeah. kind of funny. It is, it is funny. I know the people think that there is a lot of, you know, uh, um, there is something between us. or But that's not true. I mean... Uh, I respect a lot of Joe's. He's one of my favorite singers ever, anyway, uh, even from Rainbow. Um, and I actually, if I couldn't get the job with Rainbow, I would look, as a fan, I would wait for Julian Turner uh, fronting Rainbow anyway. So, you know, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, it's funny. Is there anything going on with Rainbow, or is that just kind of on hiatus when, whenever Richie decides he wants to do something? It's always like that. So, <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, there were some plans uh, uh, before before this all this COVID thing happens, and um, but then obviously everything everything stops because of this, and 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 then uh, I, I went more focused on these Blackmore's Night thing. Um, mm -hmm. So I mean, we we didn't have any communication so far. Um, I guess if he feels to do it again, I don't know if he wants if he wants to do it again with the same musicians. <laughs> so yeah. I don't know. Uh, if if we do it again, we will wait for the news. If not, I will enjoy as a fan. 
There you go. There you go. Well, uh, I guess lastly, what's going on with Lords of Black? Yeah, lots of yeah, lots of black is a, is a different thing for me because it's my main main band. You know, it's it's, it's it is my band, my proper band that I uh, I start from the beginning with Tony Hernando, um, and we just uh, we just released uh, at the end of the last year we released a new album Alchemy of Souls, part one, and we just did the record for the second part. So the album is ready and it's gonna be out when Frontiers decide to to release it. But uh, we are just waiting for the things uh, to change a little bit to, to get the chance to, to make some shows and, and to tour the, uh, the albums. That would be awesome. Uh, well, I, I guess another question is uh, during the lockdown, um, sounds like you stayed pretty busy. So how many projects were you involved in during the lockdown and how many did you actually meet with people to record and then how many – or just, I guess, via like sending files back and forth. Um, yeah, I was thinking the same thing the other day. I think it, I did it, a new record, uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> a Guinness record, because I, I did, I, uh, I was, I would think, I was talking with my fiance about this. Uh, I think I did like five records in one year. Damn. <laughs> um, uh, that was super funny. But yeah, but you know, it's the only thing that you can do nowadays. Uh, there's anything else you just to go to the studio and then to have some fun at least and, and grab some money <laughs> that's the only thing there that we go. <laughs> uh, but yeah yeah we did actually the the last album I did before the lockdown it was the Edinburgh album uh, we were in LA actually uh, making the record uh, and then I came back from LA and suddenly the lockdown happens uh, and then I did the, I did the album with Michael Schenker. I did the uh, album with uh, with Lords of Black, the Sunstorm, uh, and a couple of more records with the Bulgarian band. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, the most of the projects they are just studio projects, you know. Um, the main thing to, to possible to tour with will be Michael Schenker and Lords of Black, and that's it. Uh, but it was really easy, you know, uh, because uh, as Magnus Carlsen says, I'm really fast on the studio and it's really easy to me to get the ideas from the producers. So normally I get the tracks, I go to the studio, record a demo, I send the tracks back. Uh, they say, this is okay, you can change this, you can try this other thing. I go to the studio again, record, and that's it. Uh, normally it takes to me like two weeks to record an album. Damn, dude, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's I think it's awesome. because, I think it because it's, I just love to be in the studio, you know. <laughs> I yeah. just love to sing, you know. So I really enjoy enjoy what I do. It's not like that thing that oh I need to go to the studio again, you know. It's not that kind of feeling. It's it's totally the opposite. Like I really want to go to the studio to record something. Uh, so I, I have a lot of fun there. Well, I, I guess another question in regards to the sunstorm and this one pushing you a bit more. So you said average maybe two weeks to do a record. Did this one take you a little bit longer because of all the backing vocals and stuff you were layering up? No, actually, it was uh, it was a shorter session. Uh, <laughs> I think it wow. was. Uh, uh, I think it was a week. Uh, oh, because yeah, <laughs> I was going to the studio every day in the morning, and uh, you know uh, when you like. Uh, because for me, uh, there is a very important thing when I get involved in a project is to like the music that I'm gonna sing, you know. Obviously, mm -hmm. I never, I never do this just for the money. Uh, to me, it's very important to listen to music and say, okay, I want to sing this, or uh, if I don't want to sing it or I don't like it, it's like, ah, no, thank you. 
so when 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 Alessandro sent me the tracks, I was oh this song is great. I'm gonna I'm gonna go right away to the studio. So I got my car and I went to the studio <laughs> the first day, and I was and I recorded like three songs one day. Uh, and it was, you know it was really fast. I think as I told you before, it, it was because of the chemistry uh, and because the songs and the songwriting is really flowing like like in a good way. So it was really easy to me to get the ideas and to put my vocals on it and to produce the harmonies and everything. It was really easy. So actually it took like uh, a week. Damn, dude. Damn, that's dude. awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> and it sounds amazing, man. You should have said, no, dude, I worked on it for a year, man. That's why it sounds oh, so yeah. awesome. No, no, that's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> I understand those musicians. They spent two years working on an album. What were you, what were you doing? What, you know, you were, you were drinking. Drinking coffee for a week and then recording one song and then drinking coffee again for another week or something. I don't know. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> I, hear, I hear you. Well, uh, Ronnie, before we let you go, is there anything you want to tell the fans out there? Uh, actually, yes, for the, uh, especially for the American fans, because I know this is going really hard with the COVID. Uh, there, I have a lot of friends. Actually, all the crew from from Rainbow there from from America. So I, I know it's re it's going really hard, right? Um, so I just wanted to to say first of all, thank you very much for the support. Even on these hard times we're living, uh, the people are still there supporting the the music and the musicians, and that's great. That's awesome, and I'm really grateful uh, for for all the fans about this. And and I really want to send a positive message that everything's gonna be okay we're gonna get through this and hope to see everybody on stage hopefully really soon that's awesome that's well awesome. ronnie we want to thank you for uh, coming on the genghis the ragman show here on the right to rock.com we want to tell all the fans to grab, grab sunstorm's brand new record afterlife out on march 12th on frontiers ronnie yeah. congratulations kick-ass record dude that's it <laughs> Sonic X, Adam and Joseph have lent us 
13 to finish the show. So what you're listening to right now is 13 by Sonic X. So check them out and keep checking us out. And horns up. up.